if you got your Bibles, uh, you know what I'm going to say, <laughs> you got a good thing, amen? Uh, you got the words of God in your hand. Uh, we're going to find out what he's got to say about some things today. Uh, you're going to want to be in John chapter 3, and you're going to want to be in Revelation chapter 16. And you go, whoa, that seems deep. Uh, yes, it is deep. Uh, so with that being said, I want to I come out right up front, and, and I just want to warn y'all, okay? I want to warn y'all, these upcoming weeks, we're bringing it, okay? Uh, it's just the way it's going to be. You want to get mad at me about it? Talk with me off on the side, but we're bringing it. I'm not going to hide, I'm not going to hold anything back. This is too serious of a subject, it's too important of a subject that we aren't going to uh, tickle people's ears on this one. Not that we I think we tickle people's ears around here at all anyways, but we're bringing it, man, okay? We're going to find out not what man has to say. We're going to find out not what one Baptist church has to say or what Pastor Frank has to say or what the church down the street has to say or what the famous Christian authors like to have to We're going to find out what God's got to say on this matter, okay? And either, okay, we all are going to be presented with some, some choices now, and either... We're going to be obedient to what this book says, or we're not. But I want to make sure y'all understand, okay? Do note, it's not me you're being obedient to, okay? If you think this book is, is God's word, when, as we're going through this and when we're done with this, I'm just going to humbly say to you, as your pastor, it's time to put up or shut up. That's just, that's where it's at, man. It's time to put up or shut up, okay? And, 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 and I think that's uh, where I'm going with it. I hope y'all understand. Uh, I'm certainly not trying to ruin anybody's day. I'm certainly not trying to, 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 to point anybody out or anything like that. That's not my intention here at all. My intention is uh, to make sure that we understand what God's Word says about this stuff. Okay, because I really think most people, unfortunately, hopefully not in this church, but you know what, maybe, if it's just one person in this church that needs to hear what I'm about to say, then that's worth me saying it, okay? And so we just got to get this down. We got to get this right. We've got to understand uh, what we are, how we got to where we can be, and what we do in the middle. We have to, or else this is all a really... Please, please understand what I'm saying. It's just a waste of time. We may as well just go, get in our cars, and go out on boats today and have fun. Because if we aren't going to do with any, anything with this stuff, then what are we going to do uh, with it is, is really the question. And, and I think over the course of the next three or four weeks, you're going to see why this is so very important. Listen, I am going to encourage you I am going to uh, uh, beseech you. I am going to ask nicely, and then I'm going to ask not so nicely. Get people here. Open your mouths. Go tell someone about Jesus. That is your purpose. You have no other purpose you may think you do, and you may want to believe you do, but I promise you there's a day coming when you're going to find out that was it. 
and either you are going to blow it or you're not. It's that simple. Either you're going to blow it or not. That is not me telling you that. I'm going to show you over the course of the next couple of weeks that's God telling you that. Okay? It's either you are for him or you are not. And if you are for him, if you're going to stand there, sit there, if you're going to do whatever you're doing right now, okay, either you're for him or not. And we need to be for him. We need to be for him. I want all of you to be for him. Not for me. For him. And for your eternity and what that's going to look like. Because it does matter. It does We've been talking, uh, we started last week uh, in, in that Ephesians passage. Uh, I know we're taking a step away, if you will, but we're really not. Because once we kind of get through a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about, uh, you're going to really see how it all fits in to Ephesians uh, very nicely. And I promise you, you will uh, in in if we get there, <laughs> in the future, <laughs> okay? Especially when we get to chapter four. Uh, that's when a lot of it's gonna start to really come together, okay? But, but listen, okay? We have to understand that this thing called the church, okay? It was predestined. You and me were not predestined. The church was. Read what it says, Okay, let's not put into it what it's not saying. Let's actually put into it what it's actually saying. The church was predestined. Okay, we all have to make a choice whether we are going to believe, as it says there in Ephesians, uh, in verse number, I believe it's 12. I'm going off my, I'm turning there right now. I'm pretty sure it's verse 12. <clears throat> right, where it says uh, uh, that, we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. You get all of those spiritual blessings. How many times have we been saying it now? How do you get them? In Christ. That's how you, you don't get them unless you're in Christ because it was Christ before the foundation of the, the, the world who was slain as a lamb. That's what the Bible's actually saying, okay? And the way we get into Christ, verse 13 tells us, is, is, is by trusting the what? The word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. That's it. That's the only way to get in Christ. Now, whether you believe that or not, Hey, that's for you to decide. I can't make you believe that. All I can tell you is, God ain't been wrong about nothing else. I'm going to bet you he ain't wrong about that either. Okay? That's it. Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto... Question now. Are you ashamed of the gospel? Are you ashamed of it? Because I guarantee if I started pointing at everybody, I'd be like, no, I'm not ashamed of it. Absolutely not. Okay, who'd you tell this week? Who'd you talk to? Because if you didn't talk to anybody this week, you are ashamed of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I told you this is going to get real now, right? 
Listen, don't sit there and say you're a Christian and not be telling people about Jesus. That's not Christian. That, that is, quite honestly, the most selfish thing you could do. Stop and think about that for a second. It is the most selfish thing you can do. You know that person is going to a devil's hell and you can't open your mouth. Why? Because you're worried about something. You're worried about the backlash. You, 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 got, you got too many other things going on in your life. Too many other things are more important to you than what? That person's soul going to heaven or hell? What could be more important than that? What? Please tell me what. But we're Christians, right? But we're Christians. You know what Christians do? They act like Christ. Do you think Christ would have gone a whole week without talking to somebody about himself? You think he did that? Hey, he's in you, right? Greater is he. We just sang the song. Well, listen, if he's in you, then start acting like him. Start acting like him. Because here's the deal, guys. Okay? Look at this. We've been talking about what we were before Christ. And, and as we talk about what we were before Christ, know this. That's what the world is now without Christ. So we can look at what we were, and, and that's great. Hopefully we're not that anymore. But we can't just stop there. We have to start looking at, okay, if that's what we were, then people without Christ, that's what they are now. That makes sense? I mean, I hope it does. It should, right? And so listen, the Bible tells us, as we looked last week, I wrote some of that stuff on the board for you. We were dead. We were dead in trespasses and sin. We were sinners. Sinners, that word sin just simply means we have missed the mark. There's a holiness of god that we all miss there's none righteous no not one there's none good no one none you know what none means none zero at that time we were without christ and without hope in the world isn't that what it says and if you stop and you think about it, I've been talking with Brother Chris about some stuff about his sister right now. And one of the things that, that he's, he's worried about is she, she just doesn't have any peace. And so we don't know for sure if she's saved or not, but she doesn't have any peace. You want to know why she has no peace? There's no hope. She doesn't know what's coming next. That's the world, folks. They don't know what's coming next. They don't get it. You, you want to know what they are and why they don't get it? They're blinded. They can't see. They don't see what's coming. They don't understand it. They don't give credence to it. It's not important to them. But I promise you one day it's going to be important to them. And one day it is going to matter. It is going to matter one day. Listen, right now, the world, the sinners, they're the children of disobedience. They're following after 
the, the, the course of the world. They're following after their flesh, their father, the devil. They don't even know it. They don't even see it. They can't understand it. They would laugh at you if you said it to them. But the fact of the matter is, either this book is the authority or it's not. And I'm telling you, this is what this book says. Yeah? Dead. Well, how can they be dead? They're walking around. No, that's not what God's talking about. They're dead spiritually. And because they're dead spiritually, they can't see. They don't understand what's coming. They've got no idea. They're completely oblivious to it. They have been blinded. They are without Christ. They are without hope. They are then in that state unprofitable. Unprofitable unprofitable for what? To God. They're bringing no value to God. I don't know what all this stuff's being preached in a lot of churches here this morning that they're talking about. I'm just telling you what this book actually says. God does not love you for who you are. Because who you are is a sinner that is unprofitable to him. Okay? He is angry at the sinner every day. God doesn't, he's not, he's not mad at anybody. He doesn't hate anybody. He hates six things and the seventh thing is an abomination to him, Proverbs says. God does hate some things. God is angry at some things. God does not like some things. God is completely against some things. And either we get on board with him or we don't. And listen, we, here's our problem. We all got an opinion. And that's good. But when your opinion doesn't line up with God's opinion, who do you think is going to win in the end? If God's real, honestly, who do you think is going to win in the end? You or him? Honestly. Come on. We need to make sure that we understand what the Bible says on the subject. Our understanding has been darkened. We are walking in the vanity of our minds we are blind in our heart. Man, you all, some of you, when we were back over at uh, wherever we were there, we talked about that. Remember we talked about the heart, the mind, and all that stuff, and the flesh? Listen, do you all see how that's all kind of coming together now? Listen, there's where the problem is. Our problem, oh, God knows my heart. Yes, he does, and believe me, that's your problem. Trust me, that's your problem. Don't use that as a I'm good. No, he does know your heart, and your heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Okay? Don't fool yourselves into thinking you're somewhere where you are not. Because the day is coming, Hebrews 4, 12, and 13, when all things are going to be put out in the open and made manifest. He is going to put the light on you, and it is going to shine in the darkness of you. And you are going to be called out for what you really are. You can hide, you can, you can fool yourself. You can fool the person sitting next to you. You can fool the world, but you can't fool God. I hope you're hearing me. Listen, this was the problem with the Corinthian church. This was the issue with the Corinthian church. And that's why God used Paul to pen two letters to that Corinthian church and let him know. Y'all better wake up. 
Because the time's coming when the hammer is going to come down. Paul says, examine yourselves. Make sure you're in the faith. Lest you be a reprobate. And I'm asking y'all, examine yourselves. If we are what God wants us to be or is calling us to be, then why are we doing these things? Why is our understanding darkened? Why, why are we walking in the vanity of our minds? Why is our hearts blinded? Why are we, 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 we unprofitable to Him? Should you be? Most of y'all have been in this church long enough that you should not be pro- unprofitable. Matter of fact, you should be the opposite of that. We need to start really making sure we understand what we are in this world, okay? Because let me help you with something. Get this. Sinners, there is judgment that's going to come down on it. There's a penalty for sin. Y'all got that? Do you know that? I mean, really? Do you really know that? Do you really understand that? Do we really understand that? Do we really understand? Do we really believe that one day the person sitting next to you, the person sitting in the same seat as you, that's you by the way, and the people out there are going to stand before the almighty God at a judgment? Do you really understand that? Do you really get what that means? Because I honestly believe if we really got it, our lives would be a lot different. A lot different. We are selfish. We are self-motivated. We are all about me some me. And I'm telling you guys, I'm just telling you, man, we got to come to the place where we get this. Because if we don't, I'm not going to be mad at you. You do whatever you want to do, man. I'm just here to preach to you, man. (laughs) Don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you what this book says. I'm just telling you what's coming. Okay? Uh, There is judgment coming. There is penalty coming. Uh, Penalty coming. Listen, there is the wrath of God that is going to come down. Do you understand? Do you, can you even comprehend what the wrath of God is going to entail? Listen, I want to show you so you don't think it's just me blowing wind here. Look at, look at John 3. Most people, man, they can quote John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But man, as wonderfully great that verse is, because it's true. What about the next verse? For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Y'all hear that? Condemned 
already. Look at verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Either this book's the authority or it's not. Do you understand, can, can, can we even comprehend what the wrath of God looks like? I promise you, you've never seen anything in your lifetime that would come even close to what that looks like. I, I promise you that when it comes, it ain't going to be good. You don't believe me? Well, okay, let's go to Revelation 16. Let's see what it kind of looks like. What does this wrath of God kind of look like? Well, let's see if, if God can just let us know. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon earth. Well, here we go. What does the wrath of God look like? Well, let's see. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and became as blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and it became blood. And I heard the angel of the, wa of the water say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and was and shall be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets. Thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which had power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the sea of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for pain, and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and repented not of their deeds. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up to prepare the way of the kings of the east. You want to know why? Because that's Armageddon. And you want to know what happens at Armageddon? Check it out. Go back a couple verses or chapters to Revelation 14. Let me show you. Look at verse 15. And another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud. And by the way, the him that sat on the cloud is the Lord Jesus Christ. Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in the sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in the sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even on the horse's bridles, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. The blood 
came up to the horse's bridle from Jordan to Jerusalem. You don't know what the wrath of God looks like. You can't even comprehend it. All you can do is read about it. But I'm telling y'all, this is what's coming. You want a little hint of what the wrath of God looks like? Look what he did and allowed his son on that cross. Now you tell me what's more important than making sure you're telling everybody and anybody about that. Tell me what's more important. Is there anything else in life that's more important than that? Oh, you don't know, Pastor. All right, I just got a job I got to go to, man. It's tough. Yeah, well, you know what? You do know that who gave you that job, right? That job should be your mission field. God, God gave you that job for a reason. It's your mission field. Well, you just don't know, man. You don't understand. You don't understand the people I work with. Oh, yeah, I, I do understand the people you work with. They're blind. They're, they're, they're without hope. They, they, they're without Christ. They, they are in the lust of their flesh. They're children of disobedience. They're walking over the course of this. I do understand the people you work with. I get it. And so should you. And God may have put you right there to be the light. But you can't open your mouth because you're afraid of what they might say to you. When? When are we going to make this important? Do you think to God this isn't important? Do you think souls of men isn't important to God? Listen. What other reason does God have for you being here? I mean, really, stop and think about it. God could just go, and you're gone. Y'all know that, right? What, what is your purpose? Why are you here? When <laughs> will we realize what our purpose is. Listen, one of the probably most famous of Old Testament figures is King Solomon. And, you know, there's a lot of interesting stories about King Solomon if you go back into your Old Testament. And, and listen, what's interesting about Solomon is, is in, on one hand, he can be the greatest picture of Christ. But then on the other hand, he can be the greatest picture of the Antichrist. And there's just a lot of interesting things, uh, correlations to how that dynamic works with, with Solomon. But, but if you if you got your Bibles, do me a favor. Go to Ecclesiastes real quick. I want to show you something. Who did I talk to? I think it was you, right? We talked about this this week. Yeah. Told you where we were going. You got a preview. Hmm. I think I would know my Bible. Oh, here we go. Uh, turn with me to chapter number... Uh, uh, let's see. Two, is it? Yeah. <clears throat> now, listen. Solomon prayed to God for wisdom. Yeah, remember that? And boy, did God give him wisdom, right? 
Now, so Solomon, here he is. He's writing this book, Ecclesiastes. He's near the end of his life, okay? And he writes this book. And, and uh, here's a guy, man, if we could ever say a guy who had it all, bro had it all, okay? He had everything, okay? And, and, and listen, do know uh, Ecclesiastes, uh, that's the word. That's the word used for assembly. Uh, uh, he's 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 talking from. Look, look what he says in verse number one. The words of the preacher, the the son of David, king in Jerusalem. And I, I know another preacher who is the son of David, who's going to be the king of Israel. That's preaching to his people. Y'all with me on that? Listen, and he's going through this, man, and he's talking to us about. Uh, just basically life. And I want you to notice what the potentially, most likely the greatest king from a human standpoint, outside of Jesus Christ, of course, that ever walked this earth. I want you to notice how he, he goes about this in chapter number two. And if you got yourselves a pen, man, I would underline, I would circle, watch all the eyes and the me's. Watch. I said in my heart, go to now. I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. And behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of mirth, what doeth it? I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting my heart with wisdom, and to low, hold, lay hold on folly till I might see what was about good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. I made great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. And I planted trees in them of all kind of fruits. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. And I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the Son of Man as musical instruments and all the sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me and whatsoever my eyes desired I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked and all the works that my hands had wrought and all the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of the spirit. And there was no profit. All my 915 people are going to look at that right now and go, oh, wait a minute. What? Under the what? Who else is the son? There's no profit under the son. Just take out the little you and put an O there. And you're talking about the same guy. There's no profit. They, they all became unprofitable. You want to know how you become unprofitable? Now, go back and list and look at all the I's and the me's. 
And when this is about I, when this is about me, you will become unprofitable. You don't have to believe me. I'm just pointing you to what the book says. Do what you want with it, man. I'm trying to help us. I'm trying to tell us there is, if you are unprofitable, then what are you? What are you? Well, I come to church. Well, I give. And listen, those are good things. I'm not telling you not to do those things. That, that's all part of what you are to be obedient to. But I'm not sure... Those things can lead to things that are profitable. Okay? I, I'm with you there. But when are you? Okay, your money is leading to things that are profitable. Amen. Praise the Lord. But when are you going to become profitable? That's what I'm asking you. When, when, well, I come to church. Great. But when is coming to church going to make you profitable? Do you see what I'm saying? Listen, God says in Romans chapter number one that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Listen, we, we, we glorify him not as God. We have been vain, uh, become vain in our imaginations and our foolish hearts are darkened and because of that we became fools do you understand god takes this seriously and now now now, now whether you are doing them now or whether you are a christian my question is going to be okay uh then why are you still doing these things well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Where does it say that in the Bible? I never read that verse. Can you show me where it says that in the Bible? That you can continue in the life of what you were and just claim grace? Where? You know, matter of fact, I can go in the Bible where it says the exact opposite, where Paul says, God forbid, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And where is when all things become new in our lives going to translate into being profitable to Him? Because I assure you, I promise you, that is the goal. That is the point. He didn't just save you so that you could just be free to do whatever you want to do so that your ticket can get punched and you can just go, well, I'm good now. I'm going to heaven. That's not what this is all about. Listen, therefore, right, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And a lot of people can quote that verse. Let's keep reading. Yeah. <laughs> Let's keep reading. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and given to us the ministry 
of reconciliation. Do you want to know, Ephesians, what the hope of your calling is? It's the ministry of reconciliation. Because there are people in the world that are without hope. Are we connecting the dots here? That's our, that's just the pastor's job. Last time I checked, 2 Corinthians was not written to a pastor. It was written to the church of Corinth. It wasn't written to the leaders of Corinth. It was written to the church of Corinth. That means it applies to everybody. We have been given Paul in Ephesians as he's laying out his heart about revealing this mystery of the body of Christ. As he's laying his heart out, he says uh, in his prayers, uh, he's, 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 he's beseeching, he's praying that you would know the hope of your calling. Do you know the hope of your calling? Because Please know this. This is why it's in Ephesians. Okay, please know this. The hope of your calling is your purpose. That's it. It's, I'm not saying don't go to work. I didn't say, did you, did, Jim, do you hear me say that? I didn't say don't go to work. But is your work your ministry field? I'm not saying don't go to the store. But is that a ministry field? I'm not saying don't go play with the boys and shoot some hoops. Is that a ministry field? I'm not, I'm not saying don't have card night with the boys or the girls or whatever y'all you people do, okay? Uh, we do it too, so I, I'm with y'all, okay? We have game night. I got, I'm, a, I'm asking you, is it a ministry field? Are you using it? For, I'm not saying don't have one links, but when's the last time you invited someone to that one link that needs Christ? I'm not saying don't have women of one. When's the last time you invited somebody that needs to be there? I'm not saying it don't. I'm asking, did you have outreach yesterday? I'm asking how many of y'all were there? Ah, you know, Pastor, I was too busy. I got stuff going on. Oh, okay. I got it. There must be something more important to do. I got it. Pastor, why weren't you there? Hey, do I got to do everything for you? I mean, is that what y'all want? I'm not trying to be mean about it. Saying, I mean, do, do me and Robert got to do everything. I mean, dang it, we're a church, aren't we? I promise you, I'm talking to you about Christ. I guarantee you, I am. And the church has seen the evidence of that. I'm just wondering, as I'm looking around, going, Where's the evidence that you're talking to people about Christ? I ain't mad at you. I may sound it, my Italian. I'm not mad at you. I'm just I'm asking as a pastor. What are we doing? What, we're just coming here, man. I hope you do believe you're getting good preaching. I think you are. I think you're getting excellent preaching on Thursday night. I think you're getting excellent preaching on Sunday mornings. And I think every now and then we put a guy up at this pulpit and they're preaching excellent stuff. I think you're getting good preaching. I don't think that's the problem. So what's the problem? If any man be in Christ. He is a new creature. All things are of God 
who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and have given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, then, we are ambassadors in Christ, as though God did beseech you. It's not even Paul beseeching you. God's beseeching you. How about that? Can I say it any more clear? I mean, what else do you want me to say? God's serious about this, man. And we should be too. You want to know why? Because when I read Revelation 16, our friends, our families, people we know could very well be there when that happens. And okay, if they're not here in the tribulation when the wrath of God comes down, let me just tell you what happens to them otherwise. Revelation 20? Come on, let's go. Let's, let's, let's see what God's got to say about this. Now watch this. Verse number 11. John says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. You want to know why the earth and the heaven fled away? Because not even the earth and the heaven could give place to the God of this universe. And if you think that your ticket punch is about a place, you missed it. Not about where you're going. I promise you, that ain't the deal. That ain't, that ain't the trophy. The trophy is about the person that gets you there. That's the trophy. That's everlasting life. You understand? And he says, and I saw uh, there was found no place for them. And now watch. Watch. And I saw the... What did I say right there? Y'all see that, right? And I saw the dead. Oh, he's talking about the, 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 the people that have all died. No. Eh. That's not what he's talking about. These people are dead in spirit. They never got the living Christ. They're dead. Do, do you want to know what that word dead means? It just simply means separation. That's what the word dead means. Well, what do you mean? What, 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 well, when you physically die, what happens? Your soul separates from your body. Dead. Got it? Okay. Well, God lets us know there is more than one kind of death. There's actually two deaths. Watch. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead. Okay. In case you didn't know which judgment you're going to, is this you? If you're a, if you're a Christian and you've been, what's that? Well, born again, are you dead? You're what? Ephesians chapter 2? 
He has quickened, made alive. Y'all see? It's almost like God wrote the book. It's almost like God lets us know what salvation really is. It's almost like God's telling us what you need to do. Listen, the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to the works. And the, well, there's an interesting word. (laughs) All my 915ers are really going to grab onto that one, right? And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Y'all, you don't have to come to 915 to know what that is, too. Y'all here, you understand. And death and hell were delivered up. Hell's not a real place. Where? Somebody got that verse? I don't find that verse in the Bible. Do you know that Jesus talked more about hell than he talked about heaven? Seven times more? So if hell's not a real place, then Jesus is a liar. Jesus is completely messed up. He doesn't have a clue what he's talking about. No. No, hell's a very real place. Matter of fact, don't turn there with me, but if you went back to uh, Revelation chapter number 14 and you were to look at uh, uh, verse number 10, it says this, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out with mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night. But hell's not a real place. Or maybe one day hell's going to end. Forever and ever does not sound like it ends. They have no rest, day or night. That doesn't sound like a place I want to go and hang out with my friends and have a party with. Look, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Because you want to know what happens? Your soul gets cast into a lake of fire. And it's a death. Why? Because what does death mean? Who are you separated from? For how long? Oh, let, me, let me repeat that. How long? Oh, that's just not good enough. Come on now. How long? Listen, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, that's you one day. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? Do, do you really understand that? All those people out there. Man, I can't prove this, and I don't know if it's true. But if it is, what if we're gathered around that throne? And what if we're watching? And what if we're watching people we knew? our neighbors, our friends, our family even, just people we knew we happened to run into at the store, and we're watching as they're getting sent to hell. Because you are too darn busy to open your mouth. Listen, listen. I think there's a peace that can come with that. You know, how can I, how could you, how? Because you did open your mouth. And they just didn't listen. I'm just wondering where the peace is if you didn't. If you didn't. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. Brothers, sisters, 
don't be ashamed. Do you understand that that same gospel that saved you can save anybody? Listen, if it can save me, I promise you there's not a person out there that can't be saved. You don't know what I was prior to this. I don't know all your stories. I know my story. There's only one person in this room that knew me prior to salvation. That girl right there. She's the only one. I'm telling you, man, this is real. This isn't a joke. We've got to understand what's coming. The wrath of God is a serious thing. Well, God will never do that. Well, then why did I just read what I just read? If you'll never do it, then why is it in the book? I mean, I think of Amos 3, 7. Right? What does Amos 3, 7 say? I tell you these things. You know, I, I, I tell the prophets before it comes to pass. I, I'm telling you what's going to happen. Jesus said it twice. I tell you these things before they come to pass. So when they come to pass, you might, you might believe. Surely the Lord God won't do anything, but he revealed unto the prophets. Listen. If he's not going to do it, then why is it in the book? Because he's going to do it. And you say, well, man, that's just awful. I can't believe God would do that. God didn't do anything. Stop blaming him. It's not his fault that you're a sinner. It's not God's fault that the world is sins. A sinner. Uh, The Bible tells us that, that, that it was... Because of what Adam did, that, that, that if the offense uh, of one, or because of the offense of one, many be dead. Because of the offense of one, judgment and condemnation. Because of the offense of one, death reigned. Because of the disobedience of one, many were made sinners. By one man, sin entered into the world. Death by sin, and death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Death passed to all men after the similitude of Adam's transgression. All men are sinners. All come short of the glory of God. All have become unprofitable. All. Was that God's fault? Let's stop blaming God. Especially, especially when it's God who fixed the problem. How can you blame him when he's the one that fixed the problem? (laughs) Stop putting the blame on the very one that gave you the out. And the out that he gave you was a horrendous death on a horrific cross. Yet we want to blame God like it's God's fault. No, it ain't God's fault. He didn't make you do it. He didn't make you obey him or not obey him. He just knew what your problem was and he fixed it. It's almost like if my kid does something stupid, he blames me. Oh, I think that's the world we live in. Isn't it? It's always the parent's fault. Well, yeah, you know, it's the way my dad treated me. Well, okay, good. You're an adult, aren't you? Start acting like one. Stop blaming it on everybody else. Well, I come from a a family of alcoholics. 
Well, you don't have to drink, though. Well, I come a family where, where there's abuse. Well, you don't need to abuse anybody. I mean, you know how bad it is. You came, if anything, dang it, you should know that's bad. Get away from it. Stop blaming stuff on other people. God is not going to look at your dad and go, well, yeah, I get why you did what you did, man. It was your dad. No, no. Is, is that what Galatians says? Because <laughs> I must have read it wrong if it is. Every single person in this room is responsible for self. And don't blame it on everybody else. You have a mind. You have a heart. And if you know anything about this book, then you know it's darkened. We are very, very quick to blame everybody else for our problems. And the reality is, no. God's not going to blame everybody else for your problems. God's going to blame you for your problems. Because you caused them. We're so, isn't it amazing? Man. The devil made me do it. The devil didn't make you do nothing. The devil couldn't make you do something even if you wanted to. Do you understand that? The devil can't make you do anything. Stop. The Bible don't say that the devil can make you do something. Where does it say that? Can the devil influence you? Yeah. Sure. But can he make you do something? No. Just like God can't make you do something. Works both ways here. Do you understand? No. We all have a choice. We need to make sure we understand that that choice, as Ephesians says, matters. You've got to put your faith and trust in Jesus. But, 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 as Paul is stating there, it doesn't stop there. Too many in the church today think it does, which makes me question what really took place when they bowed ahead and said a prayer, which, by the way, I don't see that in the Bible either. I ain't saying you can't bow your head and say a prayer and get saved. I didn't say that. What I am saying, though, is, is if you bowed your head and you said a prayer after our pastor and then you just went on and kept living the same old life that you had prior to that, then I'm going to really seriously question what really happened. What really happened? Because you know what? Although I can't question your salvation, and although I shouldn't question your salvation, and although you shouldn't question mine, and I get all that, that's fine. However, you know what? Conveniently, the Bible does give us some evidences of salvation. You know, it's almost like God said, well, here's some evidence to show. And you want to know what the evidence is? Fruit. Fruit. We were talking earlier in our... Uh, uh, in our 915 session. And, and we're going to get into this in, in the next couple of weeks. So I will dig into this deeper for you. But you know what's interesting is? Is the Bible, uh, Paul, God, however you want to word this out, okay? Do you know that he uses three professions to teach us what it means to be a Christian? D did you know that? Now, all, all the people that are here at 915 are going, yeah, I do know that because you know me. <laughs> if you didn't know, listen, it's interesting. He gives you three professions. And, and, and go ahead, start reading, start reading some of your, 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 your New Testament epistles and watch what they are and why he specifically chooses those three professions. It's interesting. 
So, so you're, you're sitting there going, okay, well, I wasn't here at 9.15. Well, where were you? Uh, that's beside the point. Okay, but you weren't here at 9.15, so you, don't, you might not know what those three professions are. So let me help you. Ready? Here we go. The first profession that God gives us is soldiers. We're soldiers. Did you know that? Why? Well, number one, what does a soldier have to do? You told me earlier, so tell me again. What are they? Soldiers have to obey. Who, where's all my military guys? Not me. I'm putting it down. <laughs> okay. Thank you all for your service. We celebrated you last week. We love you. Listen, but do, Claude, could you imagine if a captain, you know, the captain of our salvation, that guy, remember? could you imagine if a captain gave orders to his soldiers and all the soldiers went and did something different? How's that going to work out? You know, the boat pulls up on Normandy, man. They all run out the boat. Guys are going that way. Guys are going that way. Guys are getting back in the boat shooting it this way, man. How's that going to work out, man? No. You want to know God? why God uses soldier as one of his? Because to be a soldier of Christ, you need to be obedient. And by the way, you want to know what a soldier does, Ephesians 6? Puts on the whole armor of God. Why? To protect them. Why? Because you're in a war whether you like it or not. And do note, do note, there is two sides of that war. One side is you, your flesh, fighting. But the other side of that war is the souls of men. And if you don't know how to balance that properly, you're going to get out of whack. It ain't going to make a whole lot of sense. You got to be obedient to the call. You are a soldier in a war that you can't even see, but it's raging. And that war is for the souls of men. Yeah? Okay. So, soldiers have a choice. Really, it's just simple, because there is simplicity in Christ. It's just simple. Either, as a good soldier, you're going to obey, or not. Pretty simple, right? Pretty simple, right? Either I'm going to obey, or not. Okay. Number two, the second thing that uh, Paul seems to consistently talk about in the professions is that of an athlete. Right? Right? Because how many times do you say, run the race, finish your course, <laughs> strive for the masteries so you get the crown, right? What's he talking about? He's talking about, uh, if you will, not, not that he was talking about this specifically, but to get you the picture, he's talking about the, the Olympics, <laughs> okay? He's talking about an athlete, how they have to prepare themselves, Okay, listen, if we were going to have a, a, a 5K race, okay, tomorrow, or I don't know, not, not tomorrow, that'd be too soon, uh, a month from now, okay, we're going to have a 5K race, man, uh, and you have to finish the race in a certain amount of time. Maybe some of you can do this, I don't know, but I'm going to guess most of us would not be able to go out there and run a 5K race and be able to do it in 25 minutes, I don't know. Whatever. 
if you're going to run the race and you're going to finish the course, what do you have to do to do it? Train. Prepare yourself. Oftentimes, when you're training, what do you have to fight against? Your flesh. Y'all get, y'all understand? It's almost like God wrote the book. It's almost like he knew what our problems was going to be, and he picked the three things that's going to help go, wake up, here, check it out. Here's going to be your problem. You're going to be disobedient. You're going to want to continue to go after your flesh. This is what you're going to do. But man, the one who trains themselves, the one who gets themselves ready for that race, the one who gets themselves in the race, most of us aren't even in the race, let alone training for it. The room is really quiet. Listen, man, are you even in the race? I'm in the race. Well, are you striving for the mastery? If you kept reading in Timothy where he's talking about that, for the gospel of Christ, hello, what, 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 what's the race all about? Souls of men. <laughs> Just want to throw that out there to you. Are you even in the race? All right. The third one is that of a farmer. I mean, God, gosh, all we got to do is go to Matthew 13 to see that. When he lays out the parables. And he talks about how the field is the world. Yeah. And how we're just supposed to take seed and cast it on the ground. And let the sun and the water. And Y'all with me on that? Look at it. The field is the world. The sun is a picture of Jesus Christ. The water is a picture of the word of God. The seed is Jesus Christ. I mean, right? Y'all got that, right? We are labor men. What's that word? Laborers. What does labor require? Oh, yeah. In the field. Are you all farmers? Are you, as the Bible says, husbandmen? Are you? Are you even in the field? Have you tossed any seed on the ground? Huh? When's the last time you tossed seed on the ground? Because the last time I checked John 15, okay, do you want to know how our Father is glorified? Which, by the way, is our purpose, Ephesians 3, 21. Remember all that? How this all ties together? What's the purpose of the church? To bring what? Glory to the Father. How is the Father glorified? By bearing oh, 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 much fruit. Not just fruit. Although, praise the Lord, if that's what you've done. Much fruit. Now, you remember last week when I said, listen, I don't care if you bring 35 people in this church that you, had, you, you got, you, you led to the Lord. I'm going to keep pushing you. Want to know why? Much fruit. Don't, get, don't rest on your laurels. Don't stop. Don't, people are still going to hell. I'm glad you got the 35, but there's 35 more and you need to go get now. And then when you get those 35 more, there's 35 more after that. Y'all with me? Listen. Do you see how God, what is it, 1 Corinthians 9, 27. It's off my brain. I hope that's right. We'll find out in a second. It's not, I think it's definitely 1 Corinthians 9. It might be 2 Corinthians 9, 7. 
Because it's not First Corinthians. 9-7, right? First Corinthians? Yeah, First Corinthians 9-7. I was right the first time. Look. Who goeth a warfare any time at his own charges? I, I just gave you three. What's he talking about? Who? The soldier. Who planteth vineyards and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Huh? Who's that? Huh? Or who feedeth a flock and eateth not the milk of the flock? There's your uh, 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 point of, 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 of the three different aspects of our, uh, what we're called to do. What is it? Second Timothy? Second Timothy chapter number two. Second Timothy. I'm getting the right book here. How about this? How about this? You know, Timothy is a very interesting book, Second Timothy. Let me kind of give you a little backdrop real quick. Paul is writing to the pastor at Ephesus. Ephesians, Ephesus. Y'all with me on that? And by the way, this is his last letter. When he's finished writing this letter, at some point after this, Emperor Nero had him taken out back and they cut his head off. Okay? This is his last letter. And, and he knew his time was short. You could see it all through the book. My, 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 my course is finished. My, my time has come. He knew. He knew. He must have known. Who knows? It could have been within days after he wrote this letter. Okay? He knew. And you want to know what's interesting as you read through this book? Do you know? If you knew, right, if you were laying on your deathbed and you knew the doctor told you, man, you got hours, and your family was all around you, right, right, what, what would be your words? I just wonder. Like, I've thought about that. I often do think about that. What would be my words? Oh, man, you know, Make sure you take care of the, the cars. Make sure you mow the lawn. Make sure the house is clean, Sarah, okay? Uh, you know, is that... Make sure the boat is taken care of. What would be your words? Now, now, I will say this. For that person right there, that may very well be what their words are. I'm just wondering what you, Christian, what would be your words? I know what my words would be. Believe the Bible. Trust Jesus. Go tell people about Christ. Yeah? Yeah? You want to know what Paul's words were? Exactly what I just told you. Because that's what 2 Timothy is all about. He's telling his son in the faith, go. Tell people about Christ. That is your job. Go do it. If you read through this book, man, you can't miss 
how he's hitting that uh, point up. He talks in 1 Timothy, he's talking about when I call remembrance, the unfeigned faith that is in thee. He's calling Timothy to remember the unfeigned, I love that word, unfeigned. You know what that means? Unmovable. Unfeigned. You're all about, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the, you're all about that. He says, listen, I I put thee in remembrance, verse 6, that thou stir up the gift of God. What is the gift of God? Well, we're going to find out all about that in Ephesians chapter 4. And you want to know what the gift of God is for? Do you want to know why God gave you that gift? To go tell others. For God, but pastor, you just don't know. I'm scared. I'm, I'm afraid what people are going to say to me. I just, you know, I can't do that. That's just not my gift. <laughs> Can I just tell you this? It wasn't Paul's gift either. It wasn't Paul's gift. <laughs> yes, it was. No, it lists what Paul's gifts were. And that was not what evangelism was not one of them. But would anybody in this room say that Paul didn't go tell people about Christ? Huh? It's not my gift. Uh, I'm afraid. I can't do it. It's just not what I do. Yeah, well, for God, verse 7, has not given us a spirit of fear. Y'all see that? I can't do it. Well, then you don't know that God that you claim to know. Because if you knew the God that you claim to know of the power and of love and of sound mind, you can. Be thou not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Be partakers of what? The gospel according to the power of God who had saved us and called us, who has saved you, Timothy. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? No. Who has saved us. Who's the us? Come on, help me. Who's the us? Who has saved us and called us with a what? A holy calling. What's the holy calling? The hope that's within us. Y'all connecting the dots, man. Come on. Connect the dots with me. It's fun to do it, right? Listen, not according to our works, me, I, I, me, I, no, no, not according, but according to his own, what? His own purpose and grace. Paul, dude's about ready to go get head cut off, and he's, he's telling Timothy, remember, stir up the gift in you. Remember who you are. Last thing he's telling them. Go. Tell others. Don't worry. Don't fear. You've got nothing to fear. So he says that, right? And then he gets into chapter number two. Based on what I just told you, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I don't know how that No, no. Grace has been given to you to do a job. Was it given to you by love? I ain't arguing that point at all. Heard of that? 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 Heard of
preparedness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of his life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You see what Paul's telling him? Paul, Tim, you're a soldier. Stir it up. Go tell. Win people. Build them up. Why? What does that say back in verse 2? Who shall be able to teach others also so that they can do the same. Well, pastor, I'm just too busy to be involved in discipleship. Really? Okay. I'm just too busy to win people to Christ. Really? Okay. Then what's your purpose? Why are you here? Why do you come to church? I'm not trying to be a jerk. Am I, am I being a jerk, Robert? No. Okay. Why? Why do you come to church if you're not invested in what he's invested in? Why? Why are you so inter- not interested in what the purpose of the church is? It's not for your benefit. I'm just throwing that out there for your own sakes. It's not. Ephesians 3.21 is very clear. Glory in the church throughout all ages. By Christ Jesus. Amen. Listen, don't, don't entangle yourself with the affairs of this life. Because if you do, you can't please him who has chosen you to be a soldier. And if a, if a man also strive for mastery. Oh, there's that athlete. Right? Right? You gotta, you gotta strive for the mastery. You gotta fight for it. You gotta work for it. Yet he is not crowned. Hello. There's your crowns. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Except he strive lawfully. Listen, you can't do it according to your opinions or the way you want to do it. You have to do it lawfully. You have to be obedient, just like a soldier. Has to be obedient to the, to the captain. Just like an athlete has to Get away from the flesh and to, to train themselves. And if a man, uh, oh yeah, the, look at verse 6. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partakers of the fruit. Y- y'all see that now? Clear as day. Soldier. Athlete. Farmer. And you want to know what he says after that? Timothy. Consider what I say. Church, consider what I say. This is important. Paul is getting ready to get his head taken from his body. And this is what he's telling Tim. All that other stuff don't matter, Tim. All of it don't matter. All that matters, hold fast, one thirteen, to 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 uh, uh, the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me. He says, hold fast to good doctrine. Study, he says in 2 Timothy 2.15, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed. And he says, listen, listen, you need to make sure to stir up 
the gift that's within you. you. You need to be strong in the grace of the Lord. You need to commit those things to other men who will commit those things to other men. You need to be a good soldier. You need to strive for mastery. You need to be a husbandman that labors. Why? Because that's what's important. That's what a Christian does. That's it. Because that is the alternative. It's really that simple. And while we go on living our lives day by day, doing whatever we do for whatever the reasons why we do it, that is still real. And if you don't know Christ, that's your future. And if you do know Christ, that's everybody else around you future who don't know him. What's more important? What's on your list for your activities in a day, in a week? It's more important than that. Paul's letting Tim know nothing is more important. This is what it's all about. Stop being so selfish and start stirring up the gift that's within you. Consider what I say. You know, one of the reasons why I believe it is absolutely critical for today's Christian to understand church history, I think it's critical. I really do. And the reason why I say I think it's critical is because you have to know what those folks went through before you can ever know how bad you got it. Well, I just, I just got way too much stuff going on in my life, man. I, I, I can't do that. I ain't got time for that. Really? Really? Well, I'm sure those people didn't have time for it either. I'm sure they had no I'm sure they had no time to stand on God's truth and God's word to the point where they literally horrifically tortured them. The Roman Catholic Church did. I'm sure they had no time for that. I can't tell people about Christ. I'm afraid. Someone going to pull your arms out of your sockets if they if you tell them about Christ? Is someone going to light, uh, put some gunpowder in your mouth and light a, light, light a, uh, a wick where your head's just going to blow off your head? Is someone going to throw you in a cage and let your, your kids run around and let hungry lions run after them and you're watching as the hungry lions are, are eating your kids? Uh, are some of y'all going to get, uh, you know, uh, thrown in a, a, a dog uh, or in a, uh, uh, an animal skin? tied in animal skin, throw it out in the wilderness and let hungry dogs just go at you? I mean, come on, man. You, they, there was something written, correct me if I'm wrong, Robert, but there was something written where it said something like this. The Roman Catholic Church ran out of ways to come up with to torture people. Something like that, right? Paul got his head chopped off. Peter they say, was crucified upside down because he was not worthy to die the same death as his Lord. 
Those disciples, man, they skinned their skin right off of their, their bodies. They hung them uh, on, on, on uh, uh, posts, whatever, and just let the birds eat them to death. I think, it was, uh, I think it was Thomas. I could be wrong on that, but I think it was Thomas. He literally watched them murder, rape and murder his daughters right in front of him. I think we need to understand our church history before we sit here and say what I think is the absolute number one curse word in all the world. It's not F words. Am I condoning F words? No. It's not the B word or the A word or whatever words you want to come up with and call a swear word. Let me tell you what the number one curse word is as a Christian. I can't. That's the number one. What do you mean you can't? I mean, you only have the Lord of the universe living inside of you. But you can't. You, and, and let me just help you with something. If that's your attitude, you're right. You can't. And that's your problem. Because you have not yielded to the Spirit. You have submitted to the lust of the flesh. And your flesh, I promise you, your flesh is going to tell you you can't. You think your flesh is going to tell you you can? Your flesh wants to please who? Your flesh ain't worried about pleasing anybody else. You're right, you can't if that's the attitude. The wrath of God is real. And it's coming down. Father, we come before you, Lord. Lord, I pray that uh, everyone here today understands uh, I'm not trying to be a bad guy or mean or shove anything down anybody's throats. I'm just trying to get us to the reality of, 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 of what's going on here and the, and the war that we, we are in, whether we believe it or not. Uh, Paul certainly had something to say to Timothy uh, before he met his end. And Lord, I just can't help but to read uh, what Paul is, is, is uh, uh, telling Timothy uh, what's important. And I can't help to wonder if that's really all that important to us. And so Lord, uh, first and foremost, Lord, I hope that if there's anybody in this room that would either question their salvation or just doesn't know, uh, if they're saved or not, Lord, I hope that they would not walk out this door. I hope that they would be bold enough. I hope that they would be unprideful enough to come and speak to myself or, or, or Robert or, or any of the other men that uh, certainly can help them. So that they can, and women for that matter, this, this is way too important. The wrath of God is real. And Lord, we're not promised another moment. So if there's anybody in this room that needs to do that, I pray that they would do that right now. I pray that they would stir it in their heart right now to get the answers they need so that they can become a child of you. And Lord, if there's anybody in this room that uh, would say, yeah, yes, I am saved. Uh, I know I'm saved. Uh, but, but Lord, I need help. I need help because there is a world out there that needs you. And Lord, I'm just, I failed in that area, Lord. 
I pray that we would be, first of all, willing to admit that, uh, but number two, that we would purpose in our hearts, that we would consider what Paul said to Timothy, what God is saying to us, that we would consider what our purpose is as Christians, as soldiers, as athletes, as husbandmen. Lord, this is too important. We can come to church, we can listen to songs, we can uh, uh, preach good messages and, and talk about the Word of God at one links and, and, and all those things, Lord, please. Those are all good things. I know they are. But Lord, if they don't stir us, stir up the remembrance in us of what is the most important thing, the things that are eternal, the Word of God and the souls of men, Lord, I don't know what else can be done this church, for all that it has done, that I know is good, and I know you are pleased with, I can't help but wonder if you're pleased with us in that area. And I think everybody in this room should be thinking the same thing. Thankfully, I'm not the judge you are. I just happen to know what you said about it. And Lord, I think we need to be stirred. If time is short, maybe now more than ever. All I do know is that when I woke up this morning, I was one day closer than I was before I went to bed. And all of us are. And one day that time is going to end, whether it be on our life or whether it be on the church when you come and call us all home. Until then, Lord, I pray that we would be a church that considers the things that you have told us. <clears throat> Once again, Lord, I will uh, offer this, uh, the, the, this time uh, to anybody uh, that uh, just needs to talk to somebody. I, I pray we wouldn't be prideful about it. Uh, I remember a story where Shannon Wood, uh, years she spent in church, and uh, she just realized one day she wasn't saved. And she needed to do it. So I pray that we wouldn't be prideful and we wouldn't worry about what everybody else thinks because I really don't care what everybody else thinks. If you're questioning or if you're, you need help with that, then we need to get that thing taken care of. So I pray that they would uh, take this time now to make it up to this uh, altar, that uh, we would be able to uh, minister to them and, and talk with them about that and just make sure that thing's true because the wrath of God is abiding on them. And condemnation is already there. And I don't wish that upon anybody. So Lord, help us be remembrance of these things. Next week we are going to get into and start talking about what true salvation is. Lord, I don't know if there's ever a time that would be more important than inviting someone to church now. We need to know what biblical salvation is, not based on what we think, or what a church teaches, even this church, I, I pray that what it is we teach on biblical salvation is going to be from you, out of your book. And we'll let you be true and every man a liar.
We should be praying about who we are going to speak with this week. We should be looking for opportunity. And Lord, uh, not be afraid of it. Not be ashamed of it. Lord, we do love you. I pray that this church would never just say that. Uh, but uh, we really do mean it. And Lord, I pray that we would show you just how much we do by doing the things that please you. And so I do pray that for myself and the rest of this church. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.